No, no, no. I was not because if you recall, uh, I still don't have my actual physical degree yet either because <laughs> I wasn't sure if I could graduate yet because when I tried to apply in June, it gave me an error message. It, there was it, this is 2018. It's so far back now, but like it was. The strike did slow all that shit down. I yeah, I yeah. technically did my graduation ceremony before I was technically eligible to get the physical degree because a bunch of, there were a few profs of mine who were still on strike and refusing to grade stuff. So I did right. the ceremony yeah. for the sake of my parents. So they could go and take a few pictures. Uh-huh. But like to, I still had to wait like another month and a half after that before it was like official. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's uh <laughs> What, what can you do when your institution is just so well organized, so like, you know, cognizant and aware of, of material conditions of students? Yeah, it really has their priorities in order. <laughs> I've lucked out. I've never been, although most of my peers from high school and universities have been part of strikes. I've uh, lucked out and never been a part of one yet. So fingers crossed. I was Give about to say, never say oh. never. Yeah. Like- yeah. <laughs> I went to film school, the podcast is about film school and life after film school. Once again, I'm here with my co-host, Moss. Moss, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Zach. How are you? Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, Moss, but like we're recording something without a guest. Like, yes. At the, currently <laughs> at, this, at this moment, anyway. I, like we I don't did have a notice. guest. I, I did notice. Yeah. We're, uh, yeah. The, uh, this we're is like a little intro. A bit. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. So for those listeners who have like heard such devout fans, you'll usually remember usually just cuts from our intro um public domain music to uh just immediately us interviewing the guests, saying like our hellos and whatnot. But we're starting something different this week. We're gonna rip off the Conan podcast and we're recording just a little bit of an intro. I'm kidding, it's not completely ripping off Conan. It's not completely ripping off Conan, but you know, they can afford to get ripped off a bit, you know, like what Conan yeah, O'Brien. Yeah, they're like, fine. Yeah, they'll, they're fine. They'll survive they'll this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, so I, I, I guess I should, I should ask Zach, how, how you doing? How, how you been, man? Pretty good. Just, uh, working and, uh, studying and whatnot. And, uh, I won't, I won't go into detail, but I'm starting to take like a pretty big test and mostly just a lot of that. Oh, and I'm moved. Sorry. Also I'm moving in April. Uh, my girlfriend found a great new apartment. That's like, uh, it's bigger than our current apartment in the same rent. So at the end of April, we'll be moving. So we're like packing up our whole place and, uh, yeah, we're once like, just like everyone else who starts to move, we're discovering how much shit we own and how much just crap we want to get rid of. And <laughs> it's great. We got to pack up our whole lives and we move and we're literally moving one kilometer North on the same street we live on. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I didn't know it was that close by. I was going to say, you know what? Uh, I, you're sna- now, now, Zach, you have the ultimate edge over me because I'm still living with my parents. I've never really lived almost anywhere else. And now you've not just lived by yourself with your girlfriend. You, now you're going you're gonna to do it twice. You're going to get yeah. two different apartments. I haven't even got the one yet. Man, this Boss, is... You want you an know? old apartment? You want to just... Like, we'll just <laughs> screw up giving our old apartment. We'll, do, we'll just sublet it to you. Oh yeah, yeah that that'll be great. Toronto rent is so affordable. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, we'll see. We'll see with my uh, with my penniless uh, with my penniless ass. We'll, we'll see. Don't worry, Sony and I will just adopt you as a fourth cat. You can live in the new place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'll I'll fit right in with it. The cats love me already. They yeah, uh, yeah. You and Rudy so. will be great pals. Like, hey, you know what? In you know what? If I accept myself as like a cat, 
I think that I would probably be more into it than like as a human that he's bothering, right? But like exactly. But if I'm a cat, and then cats it's... don't have student debt, so <laughs> there's there's the loophole here. There's the real. I feel like there's some dean out there who's who's like listening to this, being like, "How the f- how can we do Fuck. that? Can we, can we can we in debt cats? Can we do that? What's that? There's that Slalo Zizek quote where he's like, "I tax cats heavily." Yeah. <laughs> and there's heavily. also some scam artist listening, being like, "Can I fake my death and just be someone's pet and then give up all my debt? Is that <laughs> can I just do the opposite of identity theft and just give up?" <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's 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 not just identity theft. It's it's or it's a uh, it's the opposite of the identity theft. It's like you're giving up your identity um, and embracing a a, a dog identity or like a, some kind of like pet <laughs> pet identity. Okay, anyway, so that was great. I love how um, this is supposed to be us interview like introducing our interview instead. It's just like an improv hour now, just yeah, us yes anding uh, each other. Okay, yeah. Speaking of which, we should probably get to introduce. Yeah, Moss, so, what's our, what's our guest name? Who's our guest? Yeah. So first off. Um, I'll, I'll say this is one of my best, best friends from York. Um, we went in the masters uh, together uh, and uh, let me just kind of read, read you a bit of, of an intro that we have. So it's, it's Zach and I here and in this zoom box hailing from somewhere presently a graduate student in the master of information program at the university of Toronto. He is a Ryerson and York alumni currently on hiatus from his hoop dreams. He hopes for nothing more to return to the court and fulfill them as an okay enough pick uh, as an okay enough pickup basketball player or an exceptional bench warmer Arvind Kang Arvind thanks for coming on we we very much appreciate it hey thanks for having me guys so uh Zach you want to just uh, lay down some some thick interview questions yeah i'm allowed, i'm allowed to speak now Moss. Is this <laughs> this room? yes I'm I'm you're allowed to speak i'm allowing it so Arvind this is usually like the first general question, but so where did you go to film school and like what, uh, cause Moss told me you were in the master's program with him. Did you like complete a film undergrad before that or anything like that? Or was your, was your film school experience mostly just in the master's academia oh, world? Sure. Sure. So, um, like film school, I guess, quote unquote official is, uh, with, um, Anthony at, um, York. I did the MA. Um, before that I was at Ryerson and, um, so I minored in film studies or cinema studies or whatever. I took a bunch of courses. Uh, and so that's my, I guess, experience there. It wasn't my major or anything, my field of interest, but, um, I was curious about taking film courses and I took a few. So, so it started. Did you enjoy the film courses you did take at Ryerson? Oh, they were a blast. Um, they were so I, I can maybe name some of them were film history courses. So one sort of, I guess, from the end of the uh, uh, the end of the uh, 1800s, beginning of the 20th century um, on to towards about the, the, I guess, Second World War. The other one was from post-war to, you know, the present, whatever the present was then. So that was two. There was one. I don't remember the title of it, but it was cool where we looked at literary adaptations. Um, on screen. Um, the title was great. I don't have it on me now, um, from script to screen or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah. So those were some, and then I did some film, uh, there were history courses, but history through film. And so we, um, studied history and then we looked at, you know, historical dramas in most cases. Uh, and so that was, that was how it went. they were a blast. One of my, I have to share this story. Um, the professor for my film history part one course, so like until the end of the, the Second World War, 
in a class sort of on, I think it was on telling us about, the, you know, the silent clowns and and comedy. And he quoted from this book I have yet to find. I have it in my notes somewhere. But he crawled on the floor because he said that's what some people were doing at this film screening. And when you have a professor committed to doing something like it is a watershed moment in my undergrad is to see my professor so committed to the teaching that he crawled uh, in the cinema because he was trying to show how audiences for this specific film or whatever it was, how they were doing it. And I might misremember some of the details. I'll follow up with you guys and get them for real. But that was the gist of it. Having a having a film professor crawl on the floor is definitely not something that I had seen in my in my undergrad. That's that's pretty dope. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so then, uh, so then after you completed your like your time at Ryerson, did you immediately go into your master's at film, or did you take a couple years off in between? Or well, I I went straight in to um, it. Um, I didn't apply just for film. I'd applied for some other programs as well. Uh, so. Um, I applied for history uh, at uh, the University of Toronto. I'd applied for cinema studies at the University of Toronto. I applied for communication and culture. I applied for a bunch of them. And um, I didn't get into the cinema studies at the University of Toronto. I got into history, but then I settled on York in the end. What made you want to pursue like a master's in film after this? Or were you just looking to get a master's in like period? Well, so there's, um, I guess, two strengths. I wanted to study cinema. It was sort of, I really loved, um, I loved watching movies. I loved reading about movies. I liked taking notes and thinking about movies. And I loved my courses at uh, at Ryerson. I thought that at the time, I'm like, I think these are the courses I love most. And so let me apply. And I did that. And so there was that going. But one of my professors um, uh, had suggested, he said, well, apply widely enough, right? Because there's the chances if it's grad school, that that's the important thing. And obviously in something that'll interest you, then that's one thing. Right. And so apply widely and um, go from there. And so that was the intention behind the various applications. And then in the end, I, I think I had a feeling that it would probably end up being um, uh, cinema studies and, and York once, you know, I spoke with Sharon and sort of started reading up a little bit more about it. It felt like that was going to be the place. Nice. Okay. I remember my, I remember my meeting with Sharon and I just, I was so nervous. And then like her soothing voice just made me feel like, Oh, the world is right. I I, I can live. Yeah. So this meeting, I don't know who Sharon is. So let me ask, is the meeting with Sharon like an interview to talk about like your potential future in the program or is it just to see if you're the right fit or um anthony do you want to take it or do you want me to yeah, take uh, it uh, well i'll yeah. just say um sharon hayashi i think yeah of course yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah uh just great uh great york professor unfortunately zach and i we we didn't really get much of uh sharon in our undergrad because she was kind of off and on on uh sabbatical when we were uh doing our four years but she came pretty much back and then she left again in the middle of my <laughs> in, in our <laughs> masters but she's she's like the I don't know. Was she like the head of the masters when we started? And then I, I guess think, so. She was the GPD, yeah. and then Mike, um, yes. yeah, Mike uh, took over. Yeah. So the actual call for me, it was. I think we got an email, and then Sharon said we can talk about it. And I don't remember if it was a phone call we had or if it was something like Skype. I, I don't remember that part of it. But it was an extended conversation about the program, 
about the sort of offer that we were going to be made, you know, sort of, um, you know, related to funding, related to the kinds of courses we could be taking, sort of talking about the program, talking about it in the context of, you know, the, the university at large. And so that that's what it was like, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So what, so now you're done, you're, you have completed the, like the master's in film at York though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what was your like? Uh, I know this is kind of like a big open-ended question, but, uh, so what was your experience like completing a master's at York in film, like overall? Like when you think back, like when you think back to completing your master's, like what's the first thing that comes to mind, like negative or positive? Oh, I, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is it's very, very close to my heart, and I loved my time at York uh, seriously. And I'll, I guess, qualify that by saying I loved my time at York in the cinema and media studies program, right? Specifically. Um, and I mean, yeah, so overall, that's what it was. I really enjoyed my time there. Uh, I can speak to some specifics if you want me to take it there. Um, it's really Please. up to you. Sure. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe this, I need to start with this. So once I started up at York, I think I watched less movies than just about anyone uh, in a cinema degree. So I, I like effectively stopped watching movies is what happened. <laughs> it stopped, uh, but I read about them. I thought about them. Uh, so it's, there's that. Um, it was, I really love the faculty and this is stuff we might return to throughout the next, I guess, however long we're going to be talking. Um, I, really appreciated how encouraging and warm they were. Um, and I'm not just talking the faculty were teaching us. Kuei, who was or is mm. very much at the heart of the program, um, seemed to always have our back about all the things that we needed to get done, all the things that maybe we didn't know we needed to get done, whether that's applying for scholarships, getting our forms, and just talking to us and doing things like that. Kuei would organize an Oscars night where we would come to I don't think it wasn't in Nat Taylor. It was in one of our um, smaller rooms. I don't even remember the name of the building. Uh, I think it was uh, the ah uh, uh, man. No, no, the are just like the grad student lounge, right? If I recall. No, was, so the lounge is not where we had the screenings for the where the, they they did the Oscars night thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think this was in Accolade East. Zero. It was like in the basement uh, screening like room. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, zero or, or zero four. Something like that. I don't remember if it was in the basement. Anyway, Kiway would do things like that, and he organized that, and he'd bring us all together, whoever did show up, and um, <laughs> things like that made it really what I enjoyed about being at film school. And yes, there are, I'm sure, I started to really learn about the faculty there, the filmmakers, the scholars, once I got there. Uh, but there's that part of it too, getting to learn from Mike's Red, getting to learn from Caitlin Fisher, from Tyann, from John, uh, both Johns. Maybe there's more than two Johns. Um, <laughs> um, so things like that. So that's all of that made it so. And beyond the faculty, beyond Kuwait, our MA cohort, and I know I, I'm sure the same is true for the MFA cohort that was there. It was really tight knit. It seemed close. It seemed... I didn't have that in undergrad, I don't think. And maybe it was because there's only like 10 or 11 of us, or 12 of us, I don't know. But that part of it, that coming together and chatting or walking around, um, sitting in the lounge, um, Thomas would get us together. Well, I think he did it once or twice um, after the semester ended. And um, we all got together, went for, I guess, dinner once and drinks once. and 
things like that. Um, so that's, that's what made my experience at film school. Um, really like that, you know, that, that's why I loved it. Mm. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I, like, I, wait, 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 wait. I just wanted to quickly ahead, say, uh, I completely second that. I remember yeah. when I was there, like what you're saying about the tight knit cohort, not just the MAs, the MFAs, as you said, as well, everyone yeah. was just so nice. And like, we were all like, it was just, you know, like really good relationships with people, like people, I, I never felt like there was any moments where like someone was overstepping a boundary or like someone was making a situation uncomfortable or anything like, no. like everyone really gelled really well together. There was a kind of, there was always a decent consensus of like, mm, this is good. Like, Oh yeah. Like, and as you were saying too, as well, like um, the faculty again, especially uh, my time at the masters just made me completely because my undergrad, as, as we've talked about a bit on this podcast kind of gave me some, not misguided opinions about the faculty, but I started to blame the faculty for things that I don't think actually was their fault. And as I got to see the actual goings on, as I got to meet people like Kuwe, I realized like, wow, actually this faculty is not just, just amazing. They're like capable and they're, 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 they're well-known for a reason. So yeah, I completely agree. It was was Um, a great time. I guess a part of that maybe even, so we talk about the MAs and the MFAs and how in John Grayson's Art of Events class, we kind of all came together. Um, so we got to learn from the filmmakers and the artists and their and their stream. And in other courses, some of the PhDs, I think there were only four um, the year that we started. Um, we had classes with them as well, right? So we got to learn from so many people, from so many different um, interests and walks and places of life. And, you know, it was this sort of fountain of sharing, right? And it was always warm, nurturing, considerate. We would listen to each other. I don't remember an, um, uncomfortable situations, right? Unless there needed to be one. And I can't think mm. of it off the top of my head, but I do have this faith and trust in my memory of them. If there was this serious conversation that we need to have, um, whether it was in a methods class or whether it was in the art of the events that something happened, we sit down and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So through your time at York, uh, like finishing your master's, uh, like, uh, where did your, uh, like what area of film did your studies focus on? Like, what was your, what was your thesis, like eventual thesis on, or like what, uh, sure. What areas interested you the most when it came to studying? Uh, well, areas that interested me the most, uh, I guess uh, too many, uh, <laughs> but where I had, yeah, too many, I, I, I can't qualify that in any meaningful way. Uh, but where I ended up focusing was, um, in the end, my essay, my paper was on um, uh, road films, and I specifically focused on Logan. And uh, maybe road films is even the wrong word, trying to sort of road culture, the culture of the American road, the history of the American road, and using Logan to explore that and explore um, conversations around um, race and identity. And that, that's, where, that's where, where that kind of thing. Okay, so like, what's but like, uh, like, what specifically about the American Road did you think like you explored through studying Logan? Uh, well, like- so sure. Um, my approach, what ended up happening was uh, initially it was going to be I'm going to take these films that aren't quote unquote road films, they're not classified as such, and um, explore them for that. But it wasn't really generative, right? Because you're going to take sort of the methodology there would have been you're taking sort of these um, qualifiers 
universe of a movie, a road film and these characteristics, and then going to take that and put it on, you know, impose that onto these other films. And then what ended up happening was instead I explored sort of the nature of the road there. I broadened it to include not just road um, movie scholarship, but road culture scholarship and exploring what that might mean, right? And so there's ways in which the road has been a very exclusionary place um, in the history of um, the U.S., right? There's this way in which um, in Logan, the road is, um, there's this tension between using the road as as this, the misconceptions around it are of, oh, it's this liberatory free place, but in this film, what they're doing is it's being used and the road is a place of trying to escape. It's not even escaping to a different part of the country. It's trying to escape the country entirely. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's some of what I explored. I haven't read it up and uh, maybe I should have looked it over uh, to talk about it in more detail here, but that's kind of where it ended up going. Yeah. Were there any other movies do you think that wouldn't usually be classified as road movies that you thought about touching on or that like you, yeah. that you're, well, you focused so, on your research? Yeah. So like they hover as road movies or not. I was going to also write on Wendy and Lucy and the Green Book, except um, once I started doing work on just Logan, that in and of itself was far too big um, to to even try to incorporate the other two. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember when um, when I first met you and we were all kind of like in our methods class, kind of going over our initial early pitches for our our thesis or our, our what we called them as MRP or major research project. Yeah. But like I think the general term that is still pretty applicable is thesis. But whatever, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, I. I, I remember hearing yours and I, I, at the time it was like a cinema in the city, if I'm correct. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 It was very like city folk. And that, and, and at the time, I'm not going to lie. I was like, Oh, very interesting. Uh, I had never heard of that, but it didn't exactly capture my attention. But then now, like at, way after I'm done, <laughs> I'm kind of done the masters. I've been thinking about cinema in the city a lot. And then I was like, Oh man. And then one time when I was, I was driving to Vaughn recently and I was thinking about like how you went from cinema in the city. And I, I think that you had some other, like, obviously there was a transition there into the road movie. And I was thinking like, man, I got to read Arvin's thesis on road <laughs> films because there's just so many things. I remember even um, Zach, if you remember in our undergrad, when we did Canadian cinema, there was a movie called going down the road yep. uh, that we, that we watched too. And it made me like, you know, very, very interested in this kind of like, uh, as you said, like the liberatory or uh the freeing nature of this like kind of long winding strip for you to be able to kind of travel along and move your, you know, move yourself along. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a very interesting journey that I remember like you went through in terms of that developing that idea. Yeah. And, uh, even before that, when I applied to York, I know the application, um, you kind of, maybe part of the intention is to see that there's going to be some sort of research you're doing that I applied, um, I think, and I was going to focus on uh, film noir and then the mm. change to the cinema in the city stuff. And then it ended up becoming this other thing. And in the end, I'm, I don't know if it's, I'm, I'm proud of the work that I put into the, the to the paper. I, I'm not going to be one to say, oh, this is great or not, right? It's <laughs> nothing like that, but I'm proud of the work that went into it. And I'm proud I was able to explore or not proud. I'm, I'm happy that I was able to explore. Maybe happy is not the right word either. I'm glad that I was able to explore um, sort of the road, sort of, you know, myth and 
and race and identity and gender in 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 ways that was meaningful to me it was anchored in sort of the moment too so um yeah i have to pass it along to you anthony and i will i guess that's that's also something i'll do i'll make yeah. a note of it <laughs> yes please uh i i mean i that was something that I was telling everyone, like, as we were, it's like, man, I want to read your thesis and I want to read this person's MRP and I want to see your master's film and all these things. And I'm still so bad at like, because like I'm barely even like figuring out what I'm going to do, let alone like having the time to read like 45 page papers, like, you know, on the, on the fly, but I still, nonetheless, I'm going to ultimately badger you for it at some point. Like I, (laughs) so someday time time what well, eventually you know the delusian movement image will allow me uh, will pr- will process enough uh <laughs> to, to for for me to come to that conclusion so wow. i i had to, zach there was so much there was so much to lose time movement image stuff that i wasn't ready for and i still don't like to be honest yeah that's but, all you bud <laughs> yeah no 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 sorry that that master it was just another part of the masters mm-hmm. that i was like oh yeah. man there felt like less McLuhan than in my undergrad, uh, which mm. was a nice change of pace. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the media is the message. All that, uh, or no, what was it? The the people are the message. What's the? Ah, now I can't remember. I, I won't commit to being a McLuhan expert, so I will have to pass on this one. <laughs> <laughs> the, the medium is the message. That's yeah. the McLuhan. Aaron quote, would know. Yeah, oh man, Aaron Tucker. That's yeah. yeah. Aaron Do, would know. I remember one one time, uh, Aaron was like telling me about Spinoza for like a, like a solid minute. And I totally in that time, I totally understood it. And I was like, Oh my God, wow, this is really enlightening. And literally like five minutes after I leave talking with them, I have no idea what he explained to me. Like, I was oh, just like, man, what the f-? like lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Like it's, it's like when there's a story about Albert Einstein explaining relativity to this guy on a train and the guy's like, wow, as he's explaining it to him, he's like, holy shit. And then he leaves the train and he's just like, what the fuck did he say to me? Like, <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. It's one of those things. <laughs> okay so this is something we usually ask like uh i guess like it still apply here but like are there any like big uh takeaways or lessons that you learned like through your time at york completing your master's in film that you like tend to carry with you or think back to like in like your ende- like your present endeavors or your future career endeavors like when it comes to like how you study film or just how you work with people or how you might develop ideas generally yeah or okay something i haven't mentioned sorry sure no 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 well um that'll maybe it's going to take me to a few places and maybe where i can start is with mike uh, michael's rid um so we would do i think the word is colloquium um when mm. uh, and we do it twice right the first year we sit in on it as the second year grads sort of go over their projects and then the second year we were going to be the ones up there and we present our projects mike would sit in the corner of nat taylor in the back and Mike had questions for everyone. And I don't, I mean, you would know how hard it is to come up with a thoughtful, meaningful question for one person, for one presentation, for one paper that you've read, or for one article, whatever. And Mike would have them for everyone. And I don't think I'm exaggerating that. And no, I no, hope yeah. I'm not the only one that's noticed that. That is quite, to me, profound. And I, I, that's something I return to. There's this level of depth and thoughtfulness 
Um, maybe it's maybe it's just curiosity on Mike's part. I don't know. I've never asked him about it, but it feels like it's more more than that. It's about making someone who is presenting feel um, appreciated, making um, helping them think differently um, than maybe they would have. And it's not the kind of question that Mike would put you on the spot and be like, "I need an answer." It's more, okay, wow, I that's something I hadn't considered, or things like that. And that would lead to whatever it led to for whoever he was asking, but he did it for everyone. And that to me is something I carry. It's a way of, and I'll never be, I don't think I can get to Mike's level of it, but trying to be inclusive and appreciative of whoever I meet or whoever I'm supposed to be working with at a moment in time. Maybe it's asking a question. They don't have to be high-level questions, but whatever it is to try to make someone feel a part of something, to show them that you're listening, to show them that you're thinking with them. Um, that's one. Mm. Yeah, no, Mike, Mike, Mike had the best, yeah, like as you said, just the best questions. And he and it's just like he you could just tell that he not only was listening at like full intellectual capacity, but you know, he was, he was empathetic as well. Like he wasn't yeah. asking like, you know, pointed kind of like, you know, harshly critical questions. They were always cons really constructive and really friendly questions. Yeah. I remember, uh, sorry to like center myself for a second, but I remember his questions for me, <laughs> for my presentation were like something that I, once he said it, I was like, oh man, like how, how did you just so accurately like figure out what the problem was? But he was like, Anthony, it appears that like, you're just you're just saying that like your, your thesis is that like it's a, it's capitalism. And then that's just bad. You, you have to do a little more work than just saying, Oh my God, it's capitalism. Isn't. And I, I and like, I, I was just stopped. I was like, Oh shit, he's right. And, I, and like, I remember even some of the other students were like, well, I think I see Anthony's point. I was like, no, no, stop, stop. He's right. I, like, he's, I, I do need to examine this further. And I, yeah, Mike's read just maybe one of the most capable teachers I've ever met you know, capable people, you know, just super, super insightful on, on every front, you know? Yeah. And I have a few more Mike stories that I, I feel that need to be shared here. So I hope yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Um, this other one is when we were meeting the faculty and I think this was in the first year, but again, it could have been in the second year where we just kind of attended. Um, but it was meant maybe for the first year students. I do think it's the first year. Anyway, everyone finishes. Um, presenting on sort of their the faculty that's there on their experiences, their research, maybe they're sharing parts of their lives about what's brought them to York and what they've done at York since. And at the end, and I'm paraphrasing and I don't have the exact words Mike said about the faculty, but also the students, um, how much he appreciated and how much it seemed like everyone here is working at the margins. And again, and it's something to be reassuring is something heartfelt and that's along the lines of or the gist of what he said and how it made me feel again something like that it's reassuring it's considerate it's deeply deeply humble and it's uplifting and these kinds of things right it doesn't have to be overly complex uh and, and or to make it seem that way he made it intelligible and intuitive to everyone who was attending he found this thread through every single person's work and lives that was wow right 
And mm. that's another thing I carry with me uh, and to appreciate the people who are working hard at the margins. And that is not just bound to cinema studies and filmmakers. It is bound to them, but it transcends them. It can be about um, scholars that are working for underserved communities in the settings, uh, you know, in library settings in community library settings. It could be um, coaches. It could be, it's obviously includes teachers that are trying to help their students um, obviously in the midst of a pandemic, but always, you know, in general and taking extra steps to make sure that they're understanding something. Um, doing, yeah. So that kind of thing, that's another one. And this last one is one I also carry with me. And it's something maybe you've seen in Mike's emails. He signs them uh, with a Raymond Williams quote. Yeah. To be truly radical is to make hope possible rather than despair convincing. And I don't know how long it took for me to notice that he had said that. Anthony, you've seen that one before. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I also didn't notice it for a while until one of the MFAs, Christy, I believe, brought it up uh, at some point in maybe it was grad seminar or just one of the opportunities where we were all in there with Mike. And um, Mike was just like, oh, I've I've had that that email signature forever. And we're just like, of course, you've had it forever. Like this ought like you've you've got the perfect (laughs) email signature and you've had it. Oh, since you were like three. Perfect. Of course, Mike, this is this is so in character for you, man. Like, Uh yeah, he's uh He's a uh, he's a certified York legend in my opinion. Like he was one of the people who, upon starting the Masters, brought back my faith into York into that faculty. Um, not not to say that it was like completely gone. I already had a lot of professors that I had met in my undergrad that I liked. But lost a spiritual journey through film academia. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, like uh, my, my, to say the least, uh, Mike's raid made me a believer again. Uh, he, yes. <laughs> you know, he he made me think uh, scholarship wasn't like you know this because you know like even though I was in there doing a like a media studies, not even like a media production masters, like just kind of theory scholarship type thing. I, I had still, I always in the back of my head had my like, well, this this doesn't really matter. You know, scholarship doesn't really matter. It's not. It's not practical, yada, 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 all those kind of thoughts. And Mike was like, uh, none of that. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, you actually, you're going to have a lot of faith in scholarship now. And yeah, he like changed, yeah, changed everything. So yeah, I couldn't yeah. agree with you more. And it was just, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a masterclass. Yeah, he's a masterclass. Maybe you should have a masterclass. Uh, <laughs> that story, I asked him about that email and where he got it. And uh, he sent me an email response and that he'd appropriated it from filmmaker Abigail Child's email signature, uh, which is also so Mike and to share it. And he said that he felt the words were an important reminder in tough times, right? Whether that's the current political or environmental situation or the Raptors reeling as they faced a key game three. And that was a Milwaukee series, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, again, there something to make hope possible. Uh, rather than despair convincing, as convinced as we might be about the despair all around us, there's Mike there who is actively embodying that quotation and what it means and sharing that with us and trying to uplift us and getting us to. And so it's a lesson I've carried with me. All those lessons from Mike are about that kind of thing, trying to uplift others, to be thoughtful towards others, to ask questions, to be curious. and. It's other 
in my undergrad there, you know, there's professors that do it there. Other faculty at York have done it too. Um, but Michael, uh, I can sort of connect it through these anecdotes and these stories that I fondly remember. Yeah. Yeah. He was just, uh, yeah, I think, I think one of the great things about, uh, Mike Zrid as well, and, and, and you kind of already touched upon it as well, is that even in cases, and this is what I got from talking to a lot of the MFAs in through grad seminar or however they had kind of got to know Mike is that they were also like, you know, they were really inspired by Mike, not just as kind of like his theoretical basis, but just because of, again, how constructive he was, how like, yeah, he's not a production prop, but they were, they were, some of them said that he was giving them advice that influenced them just as much as like really technical production professor knowledge, just because he knew kind of what to say, even if it wasn't like, you know, super layered in like industrial terminology or whatever, he knew how to build on top of something, how to like help healthily build on top of something. That's great. Healthily build on top of something. Yeah. Um, as far as other big takeaways go, um, learning to talk about myself and my experiences in a way that lends themselves to work or to apply for app, you know, whatever it is, we're applying for grants, whatever. That is something I really didn't have before um, film school. And I don't know if that's something that consciously that the faculty there aspire to help teach and learn, but it kind of just happened. Uh, and, First of all, the application for the York program was way more rigorous than all the others. They needed way more. They needed an extra reference. They wanted two pieces of writing, all of that. Um, But once we got there um, in working through whether it was Kuwait helping us with the applications, whether it was Mike and research methods or John in um, art of events and helping us learn about programming and sort of how we can take the things that we're doing together collaboratively and building on them. Um, taking those experiences, knowing that when we do them, I'm like, well, I mean, I haven't done anything in my life. That's what I tell people, right? I haven't done anything, but I've done things and maybe there's some meaning behind them and that they can help me get to where I need to go next. That is something specifically that I found at, 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 uh, at York film school. Yeah. And Anthony, do you feel that way? Zach, did you feel that way in your undergrad at York? Uh, I, the, uh, our under, the undergrad and master's experience is very different. Sure. So what I took away was a bit was a uh, a lot was very different. It's kind of kind of take us down down another road. But what I will say is going back to what you were saying about like being able to like talk to someone and ask them questions that not only like it doesn't just show you're listening, but shows like you're actively engaging and trying to get them to think more about their own projects. I will say that was a skill that like I hope I learned like that I like that I at least learned at York that like one needed, especially because like I did a screenwriting undergrad. So the most useful, like the most useful part of the undergrad was like table reading scripts or showing each other ideas and like outlines and whatnot. And story added not just to say that like, oh, it doesn't make any sense that like character A does this, but like to say like, okay, like I have a question, like, have you considered this about your world? I have a question about your character's motivation, the setting, like all that kind of stuff. So going forward, like I usually try my best to at least ask one question that makes the writer like think more about like what they're doing so in that sense there's a similarity yeah but my, i have another but i have a question for you so like uh so post to your masters like what are you up to now like uh, are you still doing anything with film do you ever want to do anything like do you still plan to do something with film in the future or um well uh 
The answer is I don't know. (laughs) But uh, what I'm doing, I'm doing, um, I'm doing a master's of information uh, at the University of Toronto now. Um, Library and information science stream, although I think I'll be more deeply exploring archives as well. Um, So you're doing another master's like currently? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I finished and that's where I'm going. But last year in February when OPS applications are due, um, so this was, I guess, a month before the shutdown of everything. I applied for their library job or whatever. And then in June or July, I got a call back from Ontario Creates. And um, it was a film library setting. And I didn't get the job. So let me go there with it. But I didn't know that it existed. And I didn't know that there was something like that that would blend my film. Uh, interests and maybe where I was going next in terms of what I'm learning. And so, yeah, so there is thing, there are things like that. So when I say I don't know, it, it also means that I'm open to it. It's not something I'm pressing for at the moment. Um, yeah. It's more time to get started doing. Uh, if not, if that opportunity or an opportunity akin to that with like, you know, like a film library setting, if that arose again, would you go for it? Oh, I, I think I, I, I would love to. And maybe part of that is twofold. It's being at York, I was able, and learning from others and peers, faculty, whatever. Um, I built up some deeper level of understanding about cinema studies and media studies and even media literacy. I'm no expert, but it was deeper than it was before. To take that and then combine it with sort of the professional learning I'm doing now would be... Um, I don't know. It seems like a perfect kind of job, even more so than my hoop dreams. <laughs> I mean, um, that was one of the things that uh, I remember quite distinctly from from York is that. Well, actually, sorry, two things I was going to say is uh, my favorite place at York in the whole in the whole campus, at least the Keele campus. I've never been to Glendon or whatever this whenever this new Markham campus is eventually going to come. But it's got to be Smill, the sound and moving image library. Every time I was there, if I wasn't, you know, potentially falling asleep watching State of Siege for the sixth time on one of their little TVs, I was there because they had such great resources there. And I remember thinking, my gosh, am I hilariously thankful that there's amazing people, not just like, you know, like random schmoes, like great (laughs) film experts there working that can... Uh, take care of precious reels that know how to um, operate kind of legacy tech stuff like, uh, you know, stuff that some people don't really know, like Smill has Betamax and uh, a few other like great, you know, fun, like uh, older media forms. Uh, So like, again, it's, it's uh, the, the, the role of Smill, like that was a fantasy job for me as well. Like I was just like, Oh man, it'd be great to work at Smill. Wouldn't that be dope? And then I applied and I didn't get it. And, <laughs> but uh, oh, they, here we are, here we are. But um, nonetheless, yes. Like I was very thankful for the librarians who, who do amazing and archivists who do such important work that people don't really, they, they take for granted, you know, like people take libraries. So, and archives in general museums, they just take it so for granted. And it's so important to document and to keep up our resources, our media libraries. And like freedom of information. Like, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, I hate just generally like a big peppy of mine. If people don't realize like the importance of libraries and communities, like in or outside university, like libraries need more funding and like 
should be putting more like just more mm-hmm. money and like more resources towards libraries in general. Yeah. I mean, I, sorry, call, I know call, that's a bit off topic, but no, 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 no. I, I, the, I agree. And I also think that libraries also like my, my only issue, I guess with current, the current stasis of, or the current, not stasis, the current situation of academic libraries is that many of them are somewhat still inaccessible, even to students who are studying at that university in some ways. Um, you know, certain resources you need to still pay for. Certain, like there's still certain levels of uh, paywalls and accessibility. I'll leave it at that. Uh, but even then, I remember during that time, I, Arvin, I don't know if you remember, but when Mike, I think in one of the first few weeks of methods, we went to the York library and we did that little research session. And one of the librarians who was there, she was, I don't remember her name now, but she was really very nice, very approachable. And she was talking about how like, yeah, we're aware of this problem in academic libraries. We want to expand access. We want to make this more open. And I was like, heck yeah, man, like giving me faith in this academic institution again. What's going on, guys? Yeah, just the way you were telling that story, Moss. I thought it was just going to go like she was like, "Yeah, I'm aware of this. We're aware of these problems. We don't care. This isn't a bad idea." This is where I thought it was going. She was just going to take a dark turn. You walks away. No, but luckily enough, that wasn't what happened. And but yeah, I was just going to finish my thought there by saying, Arvin, I I commend you so much. I commend you so much for for going into that discipline and wanting to. Because I remember also, Arvin, I don't know if you can speak to this, but do you, were you inspired by Janine Marchessault's and uh, Phil Hoffman's efforts with uh, Archive Counter Archive, which is their kind of running thing? Well, um, that might be Janine and maybe Phil sort of only through the film screenings that we watch. But Janine and Mike did that archives course where it was, mm. par- I guess, partly inspired by the archives, summer archives, uh, Counter Archives project, sorry. and. Yeah, so there's inspiration coming from there. Um, for that project, I I sort of worked on yearbooks for my class, and those that project though those times have constantly come up in conversation for me. I've been thinking about them in this new degree that I'm doing in the courses that I'm learning, and also in work interviews um, uh, because it seemed like there was a lot that I was. A lot of work went into the project. A lot of work went into understanding it. A lot of work uh, goes into more deeply appreciating community archives or sort of community institutions of that nature. And so, yeah, very much inspired. Uh, Phil's, uh, we only watched a few of um, the clips in that class. I don't remember the names of them now, but they were wonderful. Yeah, uh, clips of... um, uh, like uh, of 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 Phil's films potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, films, yeah. Phil's, I don't remember the names now. <laughs> Phil's um, films. Uh, the, the syllabus probably has them. I still mm-hmm. have the syllabus somewhere. I I remember. Uh, yeah, I think in one of and maybe it was contemporary directions in cinema and media studies that we were in, or, or something along those lines. Our our second year kind of mandatory course with Janine teaching it. She showed us a bit of Vulture. I think it was. Oh, that that was that was in. Um, the class on with Sarah Swain and Janine yes. co-teaching, yes. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that. We saw part of Vulture, yeah, and we learned about the Umwelt. The Umwelt, oh my God, yeah. right. I forgot about the Umwelt. For any of our listeners who don't know these film titles, I assure you I also don't know these film titles. <laughs> so, so just, yeah, actually, I guess I should just quickly preface. Phil Hoffman 
prolific and popular experimental filmmaker of the Toronto, Canada tradition, or actually not just Toronto. I think like he's quite a, he's quite the Canadian uh, experimental film guru, so to speak. And and Janine also uh, very well known uh, amongst academics as well as uh, film curators and archivists as well. They're they're like a dream team couple. Those two. They whenever they showed up, it's like oh the power level in the room is like like Dragon Ball Z where they've got like energy flowing off them. You could you could feel it. You're like oh my god. Is some seriously big, big brains in this room. Like, yeah. Yeah. If you're thinking of one thing with film academia, it's a Dragon Ball Z. That's right. That's yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, hey, I always tried to, to, to bridge, you know, popular media with like, you know, I'll be talking about like Igmar Bergman for like four and a half hours and then I'll you know, drop like a, I don't know, like a Hunter Hunter reference or a, you know, like a Naruto yeah, joke. next thesis has got to be on Dragon Ball the Z, the abridged series. Like, this is where it's going. <laughs> Just all the abridged series on YouTube. Oh, crap baskets. Yeah, no, maybe one day. Maybe, maybe someday. Oh, um, one other thing, Arvind, I, I wanted to continue asking about, though, um, in terms of your, your, new, your new path, uh, looking forward to this information. How, how has... Um, if I mean, also, you're also not only dealing with a different institution from like York, because now you're in University of Toronto, um, you're dealing with the like new COVID education protocols and whatnot. Do, do you want to yeah. kind of talk about that for a bit if you can? Yeah, um, just take it in any direction or um, I, I just mean like your initial like the, impressions. Uh, How is it? Yeah. Been? So of, of the of the learning online, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Um, well, the faculty have made tremendous tremendous efforts to um to to teach online and so we're doing a lot of that all of our stuff has been online and i don't know yet when or if we're going back um i guess software sort of thing we use blackboard collaborate in some cases the first semester but zoom seems to be the way to go Mm. uh it's staring at screens all the time uh it's a little bit harder but um in the specific case, we had a course called the Emerging Professional, um, hmm. um, and it's for students who were or are interested in doing co-op um, um, placements and learning. And the professor, um, I guess, if we had been in person, it would have been three gigantic classes. And instead, what happened was um, he posted online lecturettes and put us into twelve one-hour blocks uh with about eight or nine people and in most cases it would be in the place where you focused and the reason why i share this story is um i ended up in the archives group and that it's been great and it well, it was great it's over now but it's that kind of shift in learning where maybe there's a little bit with that specific class maybe that's more generative. I don't know. And I have to ask him about what he thought about making the transition from three gigantic classes to these smaller hour blocks that are specific to um, the concentration that the student is, is in. Hmm. But I mean, it's gone okay. Uh, I've been on the other end of it because I was te- I'm a teaching assistant with Ryerson. Mm. And so some of my professors I I hear from and I know that they had to put in so much work and it's so much new learning to try to get the courses running the way they have been. And it's, I mean, I know it's a struggle for them. And uh, also for students where we have tech issues, some have, you know, there are accessibility issues. It opens up a whole, um, that's a different conversation, right? And I know it's hard for 
people. And yeah. Yeah. I know one day Moss and I want to, well, hopefully sooner than later, we want to do an episode about like the nature of online learning and film education and like what it's come to and why not. Moss, sure. you want to do that still, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's only going to become more relevant um, because there's so many of these protocols that have been established during the pandemic that I think are going to stick around. Um, especially as many institutions find themselves saving money doing it this way, you're going to find many like of the higher ups there kind of saying like, Hey, where can we save money and online learning now that it's so standardized or not even, I don't want to say standardized since it's really like this, it's, it's been such an unprecedented radical shift that so many people have been forced to make really. Um, but still now that it is so common, at least I should say, um, I think that it's going to be an ongoing developing conversation. Sorry, Evan. That being said, though, I feel like once the option to have in-person classes, like like once that becomes an option again, I feel like there's going to be a, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I almost feel like there'll be a bigger push for people. Like I feel people will be more eager to go back to in-person classes once the opportunity arises again, just on the side of the students. I feel like, like if I've been forced to do two years of online courses in like either secondary or post-secondary, the second I was able to go into class again, just for the sake of getting the fuck out of my apartment or house or whatever, like I jump at that shit. Yeah. Um, I would add that, um, like it feels like our, our faculty have been considerate in, you know, reforming the load that we would have in learning because that we're, you know, they know that we're all online all the time and that there are drains that come with that. Uh, What I would add is into this possible future where they're considering how to move forward in these specific cases is there are people um, in different parts of the world, whether it's taking courses or attending academic conferences who may not have been able to physically for any number of barriers uh, that would be able to uh, do it digitally or virtually. Mm. And so there's also that side of this, right? And I don't know if that means that there will be a different set of courses or programs that are committed to that kind of learning, even more so than maybe exists now, because there are online degrees that are wholly online, but um, that's a part of this and that issue yeah. of accessibility and making it more accessible and understanding and overcoming barriers that people have um, mm. in in relation to being able to attend um, that 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 make this even more complicated mm. right yeah i hate to cut this short but we are kind of at the end of our uh hour give or take time is up yes it thank you that sorry time is oh, up. i want a basketball you. reference okay fair. <laughs> I, <laughs> just Arvind, tapping I, your wrist I, I just really i really wish either zach and i could like engage you more on basketball stuff but i, I we are like the most inactive we'll do a whole like, thing on basketball <laughs> movies and like, oh dude actually we should do an episode on hoop dreams that movie is still like probably one of the greatest documentaries ever made so good I, uh, so yeah arvin uh, i want to thank you for coming on the podcast today seriously like thank you for taking an hour, hour out of your day is there anything you want to plug that you're working on or any other side products or anything that you want to promote uh <laughs> no i don't think so uh that's I, I can, I can, i'm putting a plug for uh the uh cinema media studies program at york university so let me plug that although i guess maybe we've been doing a little bit of that uh the entire time uh, yeah, this but, podcast uh, might be an ad for york but uh, whoever's listening uh reach out to the faculty and to um people who have attended and you know hear about their experiences you know and i guess maybe I miss all of you, my peers, uh, my faculty, um, that we weren't able to wrap up maybe the way we wanted. And Mm -hmm. so I'm thinking of all of you and hoping that you're all safe and well.
awesome. That's that's so. I sorry. I just really well want to say. I yeah. Well put, Arvin. I missed. I miss you so much, man. Like you were one of the most vibrant uh, personalities in that whole cohort. And that's saying something because we had such an amazing cohort. <laughs> so so friendly. But like I remember like like you always had obviously really constructive things to say but as well just um you're always just so kind and so funny too you always had like the best jokes um yeah yeah i'm 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 so glad to know that you're doing that you're that you're doing well that you're uh, still working uh and you're still pursuing uh, academia far more than than my lazy butt has uh, <laughs> but uh but thank thank you so much again for being on the podcast we really really appreciate it thank you yeah. both for having me on and Thank you, Anthony. You're touching me deeply and I don't want to cry on screen, so I won't. <laughs> Please, I, I, I will cry with you. If you start crying, the waterworks, it'll, it'll just happen. So, uh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you again. I Went to Film School is recorded in Toronto, Canada and produced by Zach Gladstone and Anthony Moss.